I have needs all the time. But I, I have needs when I come to church. And I, I don't feel like I've ever come and I didn't have my needs met. And so there's <coughs> quite a few people here tonight, so there's a whole lot of needs in whatever different form, fashion, whatever. Some of them are minor, some of them are not. Uh, so we're going to pray tonight that the word touches you. Uh, anoint Brother Tanner here as he delivers it. And let's receive it. Trust you all pray with me. Heavenly Thank Father, you, we just come tonight and we just pray for this messenger. Thank you. We ask you, God, Father, Lord, to anoint this word tonight, Father God, that it you, just Lord. Uh, penetrates, Lord, that it reaches people's hearts, that it touches people and uh, meets their needs, Thank God. You, I just Lord. pray for the response, Lord, on their behalf, to respond to you, Lord, to respond to your word, to respond to the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon this Thank word. You, Jesus. And God, tonight we just we just thank you and love you and appreciate you. We thank you for the goodness you are, even though God we we see trouble, we see tragedy, God, we see things that break our hearts, Lord, and we experience things that are unexplainable. But you're still God. Yes. You're still able. Yes. You see through it all. You're our holy, heavenly, loving Father, and we're we're grateful and we thank you, Father. We just give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're here. Amen. We're here. Glad to have everyone here tonight. And I was, uh, man, I, you know, there's some, not rehashing some of the stuff that was said this morning. Um, but we are living in troublesome times. It's a bit of a challenge for each one of us. And I've noticed that, you know, that a lot of the challenges, obviously, we have economic challenges, and we've got um, <clears throat> we've got challenges with government. We've got challenges on the local level, and obviously, there's a lot of things that challenge us as God's people. Yeah, I mean, we're facing it everywhere. But the thing that I mentioned this morning, and just really kind of in passing, but the thing that weighs on me the most is that we are aware of our own internal challenges that we are facing. Um, Pastor, you just mentioned, you said, you know, you, you never found a time that you've come and not had your needs met. And really, your needs being met is just completely dependent on how you surrender what is going on inside of you. And that's, that's complicated because everybody is dealing with some sort of garbage and having to cope with it somehow. And to say that to say that God understands is an understatement. I mean, he gets it. But I think sometimes we forget that. I mean, I've had speaking of needs being met, I say it like this. I've had my needs met and the message go forth and the message not even be about what I was dealing with. Had nothing to do with what I was dealing with because I never went down for prayer because the message wasn't for me. The, the message went forth and people came down and they prayed and me in my own internal way because I was dealing with some things inside of me that I just put it out there the best way that I could and my need was met. How is that possible? Well, at that point in time, you know, when we're desperate, God will meet us wherever we're at. You know, and, and in my role, you know, or, or what I'm doing, a lot of times I'm focused on other people. 
what's going on over here? What's going on over there? What's going on back in the sound booth? Or what's going on on this section over here? And so sometimes I'm paying attention to these other things. And a lot of times we do that even in our own personal lives. We have responsibilities. We have things that we have to pay attention to and we have to take care of. But we have to remember that there is an internalization right here, regardless of what everything looks like on the outside. We got nice houses, we keep our yards mowed, uh, we balance our checkbooks, we make sure everything looks good. And it would seem as though, if we do those things properly, that God's blessing. Everything looks great. But nobody really knows what's going on inside of you. Come on. Nobody knows about what you're having to deal with. Like on the inside. And I'm talking like that intimate stuff. The stuff that you probably aren't going to go down for prayer for. Because it's the kind of stuff that they wouldn't understand anyway. You with me? It's that kind of stuff. It's the stuff that God knows full, full well the magnitude and the kind of mountain that it looks like to you. I mean, he, he knows the kind of mountain that you got to climb every day. He knows. He's like, yeah, I mean, that mountain is it's like huge, right? Because it's looked at through your eyes. God gets that. There's some scriptures, though, I want to go to in 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to talk just a little bit about some of this internalization and this internal spiritual war that, that, uh, that we go through and that we endure. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which is what we believe in, correct? Amen. We, we believe that. We uh, expound on that when we're in church. We believe, we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Obviously, that's a centerpiece in our belief system and in our faith. And it said here, you notice it kind of has a flow here, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away. So it's kind of like this. It's like from point A, the resurrection of Christ, all the way to point Z, which is where you're wanting to go, correct? Amen. Which is home. Mm -hmm. This is place is not our home. We right. are just passing through. Amen. I... Even though I go to church, every opportunity I get, I need to be reminded of that. That this is not our home. And what's so crazy about it is, is I think it was last week I was talking about the grip strength of the heart. What about the grip strength that some of us have on the world? And I'm not even saying that we do it intentionally, but it's just, we're just holding on so tight to what is taking place that I think at times we forget that there is a life after this and that it's much better beyond our comprehension than what we are dealing with down here. Amen. Matter of fact, it's, it can't even be compared. It's not even a comparison. And so point A, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. That's yours. Something reserved in heaven just for you. Now, 
we talked about retirement plans and, you know, people have plannings and, and they, they try to work things out where they can retire nice. And that's fantastic. If you can retire nice down here, great. But even in retirement, in, in a, you know, when I used to do retirement planning and stuff like that, I noticed that when we would look at the retirement plans and how they were set up, you'd set them up to somewhere around 88. And I always thought that was kind of funny because, and I asked about it. And they said, well, I mean, 88, you know, you should be kind of passing on by then. So you, they set the retirement plans were kind of like, so I said, well, what if you lived to 98? Well, you're not going to have any income from 88 to 98 because you had to set it up up to a certain attainable age. It needed to make sense to dump money into it. So it had to have an ending spot. <laughs> so I thought, you know, it's just kind of disconcerting just a little bit. I think it's like your retirement plan. Well, how do I set that up properly? Well, it's all set up in mind that at some point in time, I'm going to expire. That's just the way it goes. But see, in the life after, you don't expire. There is no expiration date. And we've talked about this often in here. Probably one of the most sobering things that I personally have gotten my spirit around is that you will retire either in heaven or you will retire apart from God in a place called hell. One or the other, you will spend eternity in. Um, that's a bit disturbing <laughs> to think about the possibility of missing out on that. But there is a reservation for you if you believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe in him as your Lord and Savior, there is absolutely a promise reserved just for you that is incorruptible. It cannot be taken away from you. And so the scripture says here, it says that uh, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith you believe it in faith, right? Mm -hmm. Unto salvation, ready to be revealed in that time. Meaning, at the point of uh, joining him, uh, we'll, once we join him, we'll never be apart again. Amen. So at that point, initiates that promise to you. Verse 6 says, wherein you greatly rejoice. And what 6 is referring to is 5. That's what the rejoicing is about. Yeah. So, Going through this thing that we call life, there has to be a bit of the right attitude about what we go through. It has to be the right attitude. When your kids, it's kind of like dealing with your kids. Your kids, if they have a bad attitude, right, something has to be done about that. Why? Because it's not conducive to the family environment. It's like, you know, I know everybody has a bad day, but you know, if you're going to act like that, you know, make sure when you wake up tomorrow morning that you're not in that mood. It's not going to work, right? It's that kind of attitude is not going to work in this type of environment. It's that's not what we're shooting for. Spiritually speaking, let's just talk about Christians in general. You got to have the right attitude. And I admit that some some of you in here have been through some some unbelievably awful things. Difficult, like level 10. Level 10, difficulty, like maxed out. And it, it uh, to say it hurts wouldn't even put it in the right perspective. To say it hurts doesn't even put it in the right perspective. You see, but when you get hurt, 
something happens. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll develop an attitude. And you, your parents ever tell you that? You know, you better watch that attitude, boy. We have the wrong attitude for the, for the environment. You, you understand what I'm saying? We get the wrong attitude for, the, for what we're shooting for. See, as, as Christians, we're the ones that are supposed to have hope. And that's the kind of hope that we're spreading out and pushing out. We're trying to let everyone know before this thing wraps up, there's a hope to be had. But it's real hard to do that when we have the wrong attitude. That's hard. It's hard to do. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that your circumstances haven't been difficult. I'm not saying that your circumstances haven't pushed you in a place where you're having to dig deeper than you've ever dug before. But the fact of it is, is that I'm still here. And that my, my Christianity, my faith, who I believe in, it's reliant on the attitude that I'm going to bring the next time I touch base with you. I'm relying on you, and you're relying on me to keep pushing this thing forward. Now, if every time I come into contact with you, if your attitude is no good, I can tell you're damaged. I can tell something's you ain't the same as you, you were before. And, and I get it. I mean, I understand it. But we can't stay in that type of environment. We can't stay with that kind of attitude and carry that with us from day to day to day. At some point in time, we have to keep pushing forward with the correct attitude. With the correct attitude, things happen. If you could probably, if you could pick it differently, you would, wouldn't you? If you could choose it differently, you would, but it didn't happen that way. You got dealt the hand that you were dealt, and that's what you've been dealt with. I've been dealing with this recently, people, let me tell you. Personally, me, and having to look at myself in, under a different, like a microscope, and I don't see those things that I, I, don't, I don't like those things. And if I look at it long enough, it starts to kind of develop a, an attitude. You got to watch yourself. You got to watch your attitude because people are dependent on you pressing forward. If you just decide to stop and quit, and you develop an attitude, a bad attitude about life, Develop a bad attitude about Christianity. Develop a bad attitude about your faith. Develop a bad attitude about going to church and being faithful to your God. Somebody's going to watch that and it's going to affect somebody negatively. I don't want to think that I'm, I'm the cause of someone else's lack of faith. I don't want you to look at me, but here's, here's the truth. We're okay with saying, yeah, you know, you better watch out. People are watching you. We're okay with saying that when everything is going good. But when it's really difficult, then we just want to just say, y'all don't need to look at me. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. And so you got difficulties. You got internal things going on that are uh, things that you wish were not so. We gotta make sure our attitudes are right. You gotta, and, and you know what? No, it, the chances of anybody checking you on this are probably really slim to none. So maybe your spouse checks you on it. That'd be great. But in most cases, it's gonna be you checking you. You making sure your attitude's in the right place. You making sure that your faith is connected to a holy God. And you making sure that you're moving forward. 
you may say tonight, you know, I don't feel like moving forward. Ah, I'm with you. We don't ever feel like carrying a load. Nobody feels like bearing a cross. Nobody feels like doing the right thing over and over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, at times it's just flat unappealing. <laughs> I, uh, I remember when I got finished at Sundowners. That's probably the most repetitious job I've ever had in my life. Repetition, 19 years, popping bolts. I don't know how many bolts I've popped in my years there. I couldn't tell you. But I lasted. I made it through that duration. And I didn't always like it. But you do it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it over and over and over again until you're finished. And whether, whether we like it or not, a lot of times your walk can be just like that. I wish it was exciting all of the time, too. I do. I wish it was, it was just full of flowers and puffy stuff that's nice and soft and stars blasting off in the sky and fireworks. That'd be fantastic if it was always like that. But it's not. In fact, 90% of the time, it's a grind. <laughs> you tell me that's not reality, though, right? That's reality. 90% of the time, it's a grind. You just push. Just keep moving. Just keep moving forward. I'm saying this to you because I believe we need real encouragement. Real encouragement in a real world dealing with real things. Keep going forward. Under no circumstances is there a quit. Make sure your attitude is right about moving forward. So, he said, greatly rejoice. Be excited because of what is waiting for you. Though now, for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And manifold there is various, and temptations are trials. Various trials. Though for a, now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through various trials. Well, it's one thing, it's, it's, on, it's on one hand to have, watch our world literally crumbling around us. Watching our country crumbling around us. That's one thing. But then it's another thing entirely to then have to turn internally and deal with the stuff that we deal with in here. Because it seems, it feels at times you get a double hit. It's like if it's just one thing I got to deal with, I got to deal with this stuff. Now I got to deal with this stuff too. We see, it talks about if need be. If need be, various trials. You are involved in, engaged in various trials. Not just out here, but in here also. You got trials, things that are trying your faith. Anyone had their faith tried lately? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Trying your faith, pushing you to the limit. Um, if, if I could draw it up, I mean, if I was drawing up the game plan, I'd skip like at least a couple weeks and kind of give me a break <coughs> between trials. Anybody, can, anybody say amen to that? Amen. There seems to be at times a consistency in trials that just seems to never stop because you get one down and then one keep just pops right back up again. And I've heard the verbiage before. If it ain't one thing, it's another. Say amen if you said that. Amen. If it ain't one thing, it's another. Now we got to be careful with what we say. And I've said this 
I've said if it ain't one thing, it's another. But seriously, Pastor, you got full right to say that after some stuff that's happened to you. <laughs> There's the, these trials that, that hit and hit and hit and hit. So what's the deal with the trials? Well, the scripture here says, um, if need be, if need be, that there's these various tri these trials. Verse 7 says that the trial, here's the word trial, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes. Now hold on just a minute here. Now notice the, the contrast here. He pits faith and gold mm -hmm. against each other. Now obviously gold, well, uh, enormously um, precious metals, in, in that time was extremely valuable. Today, gold's running about $1,800 an ounce. I've got some one-ounce uh, uh, silver coins, and I know what one ounce looks like. It's not very much. It's, you know, about the size of a half dollar. And it's, it's fairly thick. $1,800 for an ounce of gold. It's, a, it's a, an expensive thing, and a lot of people are collecting a lot of gold and a lot of silver today. Well, so well, what it does is it pits the uh, the faith, and you notice how it, it, it words it here, that the trial of your faith, that what you are going through, the, the, the faith that is being tested, being much more valuable, and I'm using the word valuable here because I believe that it's properly used, uh, being much more valuable than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor, in glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What does that all mean? What are you trying to say? You're saying that he set these things up so I'd have to go through them? No. No, let me let me let me expound just briefly on how trials work and the try the trying of your faith. You see, I think a uh, a widely popular idea is that in order to be tried in your faith that God has to actually set something up and then make you go through it in order for it to be actually classified as a trial from God. I've heard people term it like that. I say, hold on a second. God doesn't tempt anybody. And life is complicated enough without any planning whatsoever by anyone. Life itself is a trial. It's one ginormous trial. In that if you are enduring something externally or internally, if you are, are enduring something that is pushing you to the absolute limit, then your faith is being tried. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something out of a storybook. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It is your faith, and when it, when it is under attack, when it is under attack, your faith is being tried. This right here, this stanza of scriptures, is for you. This applies to anyone who has been tested to their absolute limit. It's for you. And I, I think, I mean, I've been through things before where I was like, hey, now how is this all working out? God, where are you at in all of this? Did you, did you set this up? Why did you allow this to happen? Life, God, see, God doesn't have to do any of those things. Life is just difficult anyway. Things, things we walk through on a daily basis, uh, begin to pick and pull at our belief system. Now, never has there been a time, really, that I've seen, and, and we mentioned this this morning, never have I seen a time where the, the theology of the Bible has been attacked so much. Yeah. 
that people are completely confused about what God's word says and what thus saith the Lord. That's a trial in and of itself. Trials that are testing me right now, right now. So what's the purpose in all of that? Well, because there's something greater to be attained because of the trying of your faith. Because it says right here, I mean, look at what he's saying. Though it be tried with fire, that it might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing. At the appearing. Everybody say appearing. Appearing. appearing of Jesus Christ. That when he appears, you'll be found ready. You'll be found ready. What is it that actually, though, what, what circumstances took place in order to get you to a place where you were ready for his appearing? It was the trial. Do you understand that the trial had a purification process? That the trial was pulling and yanking at the impurities of who you were and the impurities and the, the, uh, the, the problems with our faith. How many of you have ever had your faith uh, whipped into shape, so to speak? You thought you knew everything, and then God showed you something, maybe through a revelation of the word, maybe you heard some preaching, and you said, whoa, wait a second. I never heard that quite that put that way before. That's really good. And the more you thought about it, the more you realized how off base you were, and I've, I've, I've come into some knowledge uh, for myself personally, which in, within the last year, two years, that I'm glad that I have not met the Lord yet, and I'm glad I was able to come into that knowledge. I needed to repent of some things. Come on, don't tell me I'm the only one that's done that. I was tried. I had some, I had some things blow up in my face, mm -hmm. and my faith was tried, and it made me take a couple steps back and relook at the way I was looking at things, and I said, you know what, I repent of that. Father, I repent, I was wrong about that. And then I'm thankful. Then I'm, then I'm, I'm rejoicing because now I feel like I'm one step closer, one step closer to being properly prepared to meet him. See, this faith has got to be tried, church. Listen, it's got to go through some, some messes. And it's got to be developed. And, to be, uh, and anytime there's something that needs to be developed in your life, especially after it's already been established, it's going to be painful. Very, very painful to have to go through some of the things in order to get you in the right place and where you need to be in your faith. We're notorious. People are notorious for thinking they already know everything. Especially Western Christianity. Man, it's like, we already know. I already know. Well, Bible Belt's real bad about that. Bible Belt just believes that they, hey, all, anything God passed through the Bible Belt. <laughs> That's what all, all Bible-believing people in this area believe. It's like, if, if, if God moves, he'll move in the Bible Belt before he moves anywhere else. It's like, oh my goodness. That's the way people believe. And it's this, this ideology of thinking that we are always right, which, when said, inherently makes us wrong. Because there's a lot of learning to do. we got a lot of learning. Amen. Um, properly spoken, we need to be broken. Properly spoken. In order to see what we are not able to see with our current circumstances. That's why your faith is tried. That's why it's tried. Because you would not be able to see it had it not been tried otherwise. If you are left alone, 
and just being left to your own devices, you wouldn't be able to see it. You wouldn't. It's got to come through trial. It has to come through pain. It has to go come through some suffering. It's got to come through some things. And it's the only way it's possible. All right, let me keep moving because I want to I want to wind up here. Um, all right, let's jump over to verse thirteen. Same 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 book, same chapter. Just jump over to thirteen. Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. <laughs> That's a good scripture. Get your act together. Get your thinking together. Get gather yourself. Gather your thoughts. Uh, protect yourself. Protect your thinking. And because it, it says directly after that, when it said, it says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. <coughs> you, you think in this day and time being sober-minded is important? Every, and I'm, I say this very carefully, but the thing about it is, is that uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to tell you, I don't have to point out circumstances. Just look at the world today and you tell me if people are thinking straight. You tell me. You tell me what you see. You tell me when you look at the, the statistics. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a data guy, so I like to look at the statistics. That's proof to me. And you start looking at the rise of crime. You start telling me why, why people are, are uh, being found OD'd more now than ever and being in circumstances where they're inebriated on a consistent basis. Yeah, it was going on before, but it's, it has been uh, multiplied in our society now. Amen. So, I mean... Um, the Bible is telling us to be, be sober. Gird up the loins of your mind. Why is that important? Because the enemy is going to use your mind and use your thinking against you. This is why trials are important. This is why we need to be broken and we have to go through things. And at the peak of the pain and at the peak of the trial, we bring this thing, even if it's been the 51st time, and we bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't really know what's going on here. I need your help. Get me through this. It's, it's then when you're developed. It's then where he can begin to show you things and revelate things to you you've never been able to see before. But it's, it's, it's important because the enemy's going to try to attack the mind. So go to the Lord's mind. Be sober-minded. And hope, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because that's what everybody's waiting for, right? Amen. That's what everybody wants. Just, just don't be one of the disappointed ones. Okay? Just, just don't be one of the disappointed ones. Don't, don't be one of the ones that are thinking they've got it all together and they're thinking they have it all right. Um, sobering moment number two. <laughs> sobering moment number two. Depart from me. I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Sober. So it's, I mean, looking at God's word, it's like a 50-50 chance. He's either going to tell you welcome in or he's going to tell you depart. There's no purgatory, right? So you better get this faith thing right. I mean, this, this better be something uh, that you understand correctly, not just passively. We talked about this this morning. I'll say it again. I got saved when I was 12. You could say something like that. I was saved a long time ago, and I'm good. Are you good? I mean, if he appears, are you ready? Ready? Like, have you made sure that you've repented authentically, what you talked about this morning? 
You've repented of your sins. You've accepted Jesus as your Savior. He's the Lord of your life. You live for Him. Amen. Every day. <coughs> That's sobering stuff. I mean, are we really ready to go? That's something you have to ask yourself. And then it says here, as, a body, uh, as obedient, verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. That's really good because what verse 14 is talking about is, is that you're not going to act like you did before. Why? Because you're not ignorant anymore. You know what sin is. This is what we've been talking about in Rock Harbor Church for some time now. <coughs> if you're going to live for Jesus, there has to be a lifestyle that actually supports it. Amen. That's separate. Separate yourself. Separate. <coughs> and a lifestyle that you, where you actually live for him. And all the things that you used to do that you knew that was corrupted wrong, you set those things aside because you don't do those things anymore. Amen. Come out. There's not a hybrid Christianity. Can we agree with that tonight? There's not a hybrid Christianity. Hybrid's a really popular term now because everybody is, especially scientists, are figuring out how to do hybrid <coughs> things with the body. They're doing hybrid things with cells. They're doing all kinds of things, and hybrid is kind of a, hy uh, a popular term. Uh, if you can stick, if you can put these two together and make them hybrid, that's the best of both worlds. And then, you know, and apparently in some circumstances, that's a really good thing. Not in Christianity. It's, there's no place for a hybrid version of Jesus in your life. Like, no, absolutely not. This should be red flag material if you get any type of a hybrid view from anybody about Christianity. Christianity is still the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the repentance of sin, and a change of your life. Still, it's still, and you know what's amazing about it is it's still simple. It's still simple to understand. Um, they pass bills, try to pass bills through legislation um, with like a hundred page reports. And, they, and they'll try to pass them in like a 24 hour span. Like they'll just stick them in there, you know, try to get them to, to go through. Nobody even understands anything that's in the, the, the jargon of those bills. What's amazing is, is I can look into the Word of God and the salvation for eternity can be summed up in just a couple of scriptures. That's it. It's all you need to understand. You go do that and you're good. But because of hybrid thinking, people are, you know, we see our society going in a direction um, that doesn't even make sense anymore. It just doesn't make sense. Just make sure that you're not taking your society and bringing it into your Christianity. It doesn't work. Uh, okay, so... As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, because you're not ignorant anymore, but as he which has called you in is holy. We all agree that God's holy. Amen. I agree with that. You agree. We all agree God's holy. That's an easy thing to agree with. But he says, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. It's actually referring to lifestyle. He said, he's holy. But on the other side, it's kind of, to me... To me, this is kind of like a faith without works is dead kind of thing. It's like everybody's okay with God being holy. Oh, that's fine. God can be holy. Well, then the Bible says, you be holy too. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second now. Hey. It's like, that's what I'm saying. In comparison, it's kind of like faith without works is dead. Everybody's okay with faith until you tell them 
well, you got to put some works with it too in order to actually ignite it. Everyone's like, oh, I don't know about all that. I mean, maybe I'll pay somebody to do it or maybe I'll get somebody <laughs> else to, to be a part of it. No, you can't do that. Faith without works is dead. Be ye holy for I am holy. He's holy. So therefore, we have to be holy. And he, we wouldn't be told that if it weren't possible. Now, it's not that you're going to go out and you're going to figure out some sort of equation and you're going to say, I've solved the holy problem. And you're going to figure out how to do it. Christ is the, the problem solver. He's the one that solved the holy problem. He was able to be sinless, correct? Amen. He became the perfect sacrifice. So now we graft ourselves and follow after him in the way he lived. We model ourselves after it. And if he said it's possible for me to be holy... Not perfect, but holy. That's only possible through the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? That's only possible through the blood of Jesus. But if he's asked me to be holy, probably a good idea to do it. If I'm going to stand before him someday and give account, might want to work on that holiness. Might want to make sure that we don't pass that by and pretend it's not there, especially due to the culture that you and I are involved in. Um, I'm not going to be able to blame my culture, and you're not either, because there's been people that lived in lousy cultures uh, for thousands of years. You and I, even though it might be current day, are no different. You will still give account for the way that you represented God in your culture, and whether you allowed it to dictate you or whether you dictated it. That's going to be very important, I think. Um, and then finishing this out, verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. And what this scripture is saying in verse 17 is if you're gonna if you're gonna serve the Father, serve him in fear. Fear the Lord, which I think we've we've talked about this in here before. Um Probably one of the, the major turning points of the church. And I can't give you a date. I don't know when it happened. But that is the most pivotal thing in the church's history. Is when it went from fearing him to not fearing him. I don't know when it happened. But the church is going to, in order to be the proper bride that we have been called to be, we have got to come back to a place of fearing the Lord. Amen. Reverence for his Holy Spirit. Reverence. Knowing when he's in the building. Knowing when he's on the move. Knowing when he wants to do something. And just allowing him to do it. That's, that's reverence. And fear in the, in the context of respect and honor. He deserves to be respected and honored. Would you agree? He deserves to be respected. He's the king of kings. He created everything. He put breath in you. He put breath in you. And you're still here because he's allowed it. Amen. And so, I close out uh, tonight's lesson uh, with this encouragement that with the trials and the tribulations that you are dealing with, you are going through, you are enduring, you are dealing with some things, there is a much greater value to be attained, but it's probably not going to be here. In fact, I'm quite sure of it. It's not here. And, and, and I know that 
because of the, our, our wiring as humans, we, we want validation for what we've been through. We want validation for what we've been through. It's almost like we, it's like in, internally we demand justice. I want justice for what I've been through. I'm with you, 100%. Listen, it's not going to be here. It's going to be there. Amen. That's when the validation will come. It's not coming here. Hold on, and let's see this thing to the end, and let's all go in together and see what happens on the other side. That's going to be a good day. Would you stand? I want to encourage you tonight. Hang in there. I want to encourage you tonight. Hold on. Keep your prayer up. You might say, well, it's just been methodical lately, Tanner. I've been praying, and it just don't seem like it's getting anywhere. Just keep doing it. I've been, I've been reading it. It just I can't hardly pay attention. It just seems like I, I read a little while, and I feel distracted. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't lose hope. It's, it's, in the, it's in the little bitty things, church. It's in the little bitty things. You'll get your momentum. I know things have not been easy. I know internally for you, whoever you are, internally, it's been very, very difficult. You hadn't shared it. Maybe you've, you've kept it totally within yourself. Some of these issues that you are dealing with, keep pushing forward. Don't stop. Let me encourage you. God knows the, the reason you're even getting the message is because he's telling you, I know. He's telling you, I know. I get it. This is for you tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. I want to thank you, God, that you know all about what goes on inside of us. And Father God, you know, Father God, the struggles that many of the people in here, Father God, have been dealing with. Some deal with depression and some deal with frustration and anger, Lord God. But you know the value of the things that we go through, Lord. Father, we love you and we trust you. And Father, I pray tonight, God, that we reestablish our faith in you, Lord God. That we reestablish ourselves in, in who you are, Father God, and we trust where we're going. We trust the direction that you are leading us. And Father, even though that life, sometimes it gets hard and difficult, Father, that you are there for us. Thank you tonight, Lord. Thank you for letting us be, for, for being there for us. And I pray tonight that we have a heart of gratitude. And Father, we may not always understand all of the decisions that are made, and we may not always understand why life takes its turns. But Father, I pray that we have a heart of gratitude tonight. And that we're thankful, that we are thankful, Father, that you are who you are. Lord, I just pray for a, a spirit of strength across this congregation, to the members of this congregation, to our visitors, Lord. A spirit of strength, Father, to pick back up, Lord God, and to continue on pushing forward for you until the very end. Thank you, Lord God, for this race. And let us finish strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.